not really sure why he was pointing his finger right at me when he was talking about sin, but or he's better than I, I. I got that, Ben. Yeah, well, you're blind. Um, so, guys, we're going to see how today goes. Apparently, my wife has informed me that I'm a little bit on the snarky side today. So, this could go, this could go a whole bunch of different ways. Um, thanks, Ben, for doing that. It's great. I really like it when Ben gets philosophical on us. Good stuff. Um, Last week, we went through part two of our series on love as we covered the definition of love. Week one was foundational because we learned the sacrificial love of Christ is foundational to the glue that we have and the love that we do with other people. Last week, we looked at the definition of love and how that sacrificing for others of your time and emotion, um, it's how, it's the type of love that Christ examples for us. So our ministry is nothing without sacrificial love. People have to know that we care about them before they're going to listen. This week, we're going to finish our three-part series with lasting love. As we finished verse 7 last week, I want to I reread that because it just kind of helps pull the, the rest of it together. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's that kind of love that as Christians we need to strive for. We hope for the best in people. We believe in them, we bear their burdens with them, and we endure it all for the sake of Christ. That sacrificial love should always and forever be a part of our relationships and how we deal with other people. Three parts that we're going to look at today are temporary knowledge, we're going to look at limited knowledge, and we're going to look at perfect knowledge. And as we do that, let's please stand. We're going to read the, um, the rest of chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 8. And we're going to read, it's only thir- it only goes to verse 13, so it's not too long. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Give time for Greg to pull it up on his phone. The true, the true word of God. He's there. All right. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I grew, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. You may be seated. As we've been going through 
God gives each of us gifts and, and uses those gifts to empower us to proclaim his gospel message. We have abilities and understanding that through the Holy Spirit, the world just doesn't understand. Some of us see things that others may not. It's just the way that God created us. Um, my wife was having a conversation with somebody the other day where we see things, me personally, I'm very black and white. Um, this is true, it's not true. My wife sees things kind of overhead from a different viewpoint. So she can see just, it's, it's just different giftings that, that different people have. And it's important because she kind of tempers my black and white and I kind of temper her overall view of things in a way that we complement each other. Um, some of us may discern things that others cannot. Some of us can say things that others cannot. Gifts are very individualized and also they're typically not permanent. Some gifts are, some are not. Let me give you an example. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you start talking to somebody about God and you're talking about the gospel and you start proclaiming what God's done for you and then you start telling them stuff like, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that and you're like, and you're popping out verses and things that you didn't even know you knew. You guys ever, you guys ever been there? That's kind of the temporary gift of evangelism that the Holy Spirit poured out on you for that moment. God gave you knowledge. You knew how to say, what to say, and when to say it. These gifts and knowledge that we receive from the Holy Spirit are not forever. They're also not complete. I, I saw this verse misused again this week, and it's frustrating. It's actually blasphemous. Um, when you look at what they're implying, but first John 3 2 um, I'm going to use the King James Version because that's how they use their heresy, but they said um, that the verse says Beloved now Are we sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be? But we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. The statement was made after this verse was read that if we knew God, the way that we should know God, that we would be like God. They missed the point that the verse is literally talking about the second coming of Christ, which is what our scripture today is talking about. He's, it's, it's that perfect knowledge that when we see Christ, when he comes back, our sanctification process is done. We, we are perfected in him. So, right now, as we walk around on this earth full of sin, our, our knowledge is limited. We do not know everything. Josh, we do not know everything. <laughs> Sanctification is a process. We, we learn and we grow in the knowledge of God. Do, do, you, do you know when that learning is complete? 
When you see Christ, you're, you're face to face with him. That, that's when that, that learning is done. That is, that's the only way that we're fully capable of understanding all that we know. Our knowledge on this earth is, it's, it's human, it's fleshly. His is of God. If, if, you don't, if you don't understand that concept, just read the book of Job. You can skip to the end because God pretty much lays out exactly what we don't know. And you've got to remember that it, in reading this book, Job was righteous, and there was nothing that Satan could accuse him of. Do you guys, do you guys understand how righteous that is, that Satan didn't have anything he could really accuse him of? There's, even, even with that, he still didn't fully understand God. Job did not understand the concept of what God was. It's, it's about trusting in his knowledge and what he has for us. It's a knowledge of what he has already done on the cross and sharing that with other people. What is our mission? Our mission is to love God and to glorify Him. And we do that by sharing that love with a fallen world. Knowledge is knowing as hard as we try, as, as much as we dive into our Bibles, as much as we dive into prayer, as much as we give our lives to Christ, as much as we do all of those things, we still don't understand it all. And we're never going to. It, it's funny, we, we were talking in our Bible study, and we've been going through the book of Mark, and we decided that we're going to go into Revelation. Eschatology and the study of end times can get heated between people. It can even cause division in a church, and I've seen it happen. I've studied, I've studied this stuff for years and listened to some of the greatest theological minds on the planet completely disagree over these things. They have different viewpoints on the subject, and, and that's fine. I, I have my own strongly held beliefs. But when it all comes down to it, I think Ben said this the other day, when it all comes down to it, when Christ is standing right in front of you, that's the moment you're going to go, I was wrong on everything. Or I was wrong on most of it. I was wrong on almost everything. I was wrong on parts of it. Because you know what? People argue about this junk and they get into fights and they sit there. And you know what? I know, I know this for a fact. When you're standing in front of Jesus Christ, he's not going to go, did you think I already came? I was coming. When did you, when did you think that was going to happen? It's irrelevant at that moment. Because you're going to know. You're going to know it. As we study and read and pray, God reveals more to us. That's the entirety of the sanction. That's, that's what happens during the sanctification process. But it's never complete. That process never finishes. We've all done it. We read a passage and then something pops out at us, right? You're like, I've read that, I've read that verse 57 million times, and all of a sudden now that really makes sense to me. Because the 57 times you read it before, you weren't ready for God to reveal what makes sense to you now. That's just the reality of how that all happens.
That's what our text means when it says the partial is going to pass away. Some of these things you just don't, you're not going to fully understand. Some things he reveals, some things he does not. When the perfect Christ comes, we fully understand. Our knowledge will not be lacking or be partial because it's all there now. Contrary to the beliefs of some, we cannot achieve this on earth. It's not possible. In reality, we couldn't handle it. We could not handle all of that knowledge. Think about this. If you could, you would be God. You would be like God. You would have the same abilities as God if you had all that knowledge, if you had that ability. And our faith, as sadly as it's taught in most schools today, our faith would be in humanism. It would be in us. Because why do we need God? We, we have all the knowledge. It's literally the exact same thing that Lucifer got thrown out of heaven for was the, the pride that he had the same knowledge God had. We have a limited knowledge, and we have that, I think, by design from God. Um, because we want to and we strive to learn more, right? We want to do things. We want to experience things. We want to we explore things and have discussions. We draw closer to each other through, really, think about this, our lack of knowledge. We talk to each other about things we don't know, right? So we come closer together through what we don't really know and come, the whole ironing, sharpening iron thing is about, we don't know, so we all work together through life to get to more knowledge. That's what that's all about. The reality is, guys, we haven't even scratched the surface of knowledge. The, the pride and arrogance of humans to even think that we have is astounding to me. We had, we had a little bit of a discussion about humanism the other night in our Bible study. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I think as humans, we only use about, Sarah probably knows this more than me, but we, we only use about 10% of our brain. We, we don't really use anything near to the capabilities that we have. Um, and, and in reality, I, I don't... I mean, I'm looking out at you all, and I don't want to be this way. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but we're really not that smart. We're, we're just not. When you compare it to God, we're not even in the ballpark. We're not even in the ballpark. You can, you can pull out, Greg, you can pull out your iPhone, and you can, you can Google something. There's so much information out there on the Internet do you notice it's not in somebody's brain? It, it's in all these things all over the place that store all this information because there's no way we could do that ourselves. There's no, and God has that and then some. It, and we're not. We're just not at the same level. We're not even close to that. But God gives us a desire to learn and to experience. And as we grow and mature, we learn and we, we see more. We see things differently. Show, show of hands. How many of you guys, when you're in elementary school, 
was asked by your teachers what you wanted to be when you grew up. That's pretty much most of you. Mom. Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you are what you wanted to be when you grew up? What you said. How many of you? Like two? Okay, you're not grown up yet. Put your hand down. All right, so two, two of you. Now, it's normally just a few. Why? Because when you're a child, you really don't have an understanding of what, what life is. You have no concept. It's, it's, there's, there's no reality for you to base your choice of your future on. You, you just don't understand these things. I mean, we, we, normally what we do is when the teacher comes around to us, we, we raise our hand and we go, I want to be a firefighter because that's cool. Or I want to be the president. You know, we, we, we come up with some kind of a lofty thing, normally based on we've seen somebody do it and we think that would be a cool job. It, it doesn't have any real meaning to it. As we learn and grow, we begin to see things we never saw before. So when we're that young, we're learning new things every single day. As we continue past elementary school, we get to an age of about 12 to 13 years old where we start critically thinking. Up until then, basically, pretty much all your decisions are based on what your mom and dad tell you are right and wrong. When you're 12, 13 years old, you start going, why? 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 And you continue that forever. No, you you do that for quite a while. As parents, we have to be patient with our children at this age. Because if we don't, the reality is when they say why and you don't answer them, they will find their answer somewhere else. And... As parents, we want to give them the answer that's biblically correct and sound. And most of the time, where do they get their answers from? School. Their teachers. Somebody that you don't know whether they believe in God or not. But that's where they get their answers from. So when we give them answers, we also have to be true. We have to be real. We don't just tell them something to shut them up. Your answers should align with Scripture. Um, truth is important because the reality is our children are overwhelmed with the lies that they get out in the world. It's just a real. It doesn't matter how much you protect your children, they're lied to every day. They just are. So this right here, I'm telling you, at 12, 13 years old is make or break time with your children. It just is. We talked about this the other night in our Bible study, but kids are in school all week long. And their teachers flat out and ashamedly teach them humanism, evolution, sexual promiscuity, or worse. Then they come here and I get them for an hour on Sunday to fix everything. Listen up, kids. We're going to do it all in one week. No, it's, it's just the reality of life, guys. So you have to be careful. You have to protect what they're learning. Um, do you guys see how this can become a problem? This was not an issue really for the most part up until about 1962. Who can tell me what happened in 1962? Anyone? Anyone? Come on. 
Huh? What? No. What? Yes. What? Um, yeah, kind of. That's, well, they basically, the Supreme Court in 1962 banned prayer in public schools. And then the dominoes just started falling. Once you started banning prayer in public schools, um, it was effectively kicking God out of the public school system. So now you look at there's, there's no Bibles in school. There's any, basically anything Christian is typically forbidden in schools. The, the ironic part is you can, bring a, you, can bring a, you can bring the Torah. You can bring pretty much any type of religious book you want. They just don't want Christianity there. And I want to read from John 17, 13 through 18. It says this, But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because you are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. That's, that's a very important verse right there. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you, have, as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. My wife and I, I'm going to tell you right now, I have flat out said I am opposed to sending my kids to public school. I don't want them there. I have two children that are there. I had one that went, and, and I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the crap they teach. Sorry. I'm not a fan of the crap they teach my kids. I'm just not. And, and I've seen some of the stuff that has come out of them from being there, and I'm, and I'm not thrilled with it. And then I read this chapter right here where God says, we, we can't keep them from the world. It's our job as parents to give them a strong enough foundation that they can withstand it. Now, I understand not putting them in that environment. And if you're homeschooling your kids, I'm not telling you to not do that. Do not get me wrong on that. Because I, am, I still have the majority of my kids are homeschooled for a reason. There's, there's ones that I don't feel have a strong enough foundation to go into the school. And I just, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But we send them out there but have they been sanctified by the truth? Do, do they understand what they're going into? At this stage, these children are making, they're starting to make life-changing decisions. And again, their knowledge is very limited. Sorry, but at 12 or 13 years old, they don't even know what they don't know yet. So we have, to be, we have to be vigilant to expose them to the truth or, or the reality is their foundation crumbles. So do we love them enough to fight for them? It right here is where it happens. Take the time as they get older, in high school years, their brains, um, they continue learning and they start developing goals and things for their future. 
but they've already decided whether they're doing that with God or without God. Normally at that 12 to 13 age range is when that's decided. And it's based on what they know. So what truth do they know? The, the reality is when your kids are in high school, eternity is, is not at the next stage that they're normally thinking about in high school. What, what they're thinking about is how to hook up or how to, how to experience new things. They, they, they're going to do the things that they're afforded to do in high school. That's just the reality of it, and it's sad, but it's true. Um, it's sadly where a lot of bad life-changing decisions are made, where either they, they make decisions for drug use, they make decisions for, that ends up in pregnancy, um, and you know what? They're at a stage in their life in high school where they feel ultimately they're bulletproof. They can do anything because you know what? You, how many, you guys got any high schooler kids? It's funny to me because at that age, they still depend on mommy and daddy for everything, but they know everything. They they, this is the only stage in life right here between about 14 and 18 where their knowledge is no longer limited. They know it all. They, it's, it's amazing. You just ask them. They will tell you the meaning of anything. Every teenager knows more than their stupid parents, right? They're just old and don't understand is the cry of the high school teen. And then they hit adulthood. Some grow up faster than others. There's, sadly, today's day and age, you have most of these kids that are 35 years old still living in their mom and dad's basement playing on their computer games. But... This really depends on their level of maturity, but more importantly, their foundation. Are they going into adulthood serving themselves or serving God? Those, pre those previous decisions that they make become really important now because now these little fledgling geniuses had a, they head out on their own. Some are going to head off to college for further indoctrination. Some are going to hit the workforce. But this is where it gets really interesting for most. They learn through newfound experiences that the world does not, in fact, revolve around them. It's, it's mind-blowing to them. Some of them still have to call their mommy to call them in sick for work because they haven't grown out of that stage, but they learn people outside of their school environment are just not as coddling as those that they used to have. Mrs. Johnson is not there to hold your hand and tell you that you're special. So what do you have to rely on? It depends on your foundation. Is life all about yourself or is it about God? This age here is where that learning 
and discernment meet face to face. We learn that everything we know is real. Our decisions are life, and they're all important. We don't have a safety net anymore. Our adulthood is not easier. We continue to learn even as we get older. We never fully understand everything. It's hard because our pride and our flesh want things. They want stuff. We, it's all about us still in most cases. But as you get older, you learn it's not, it's not what it's about. Our life all hinges on the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. If it's anything else, it's based on human thought. Our Bible says that we should always be ready with a defense for the reason, the hope that's within us. That's 1 Peter 3.15. It's okay to have a limited knowledge as long as that limited knowledge is based on truth. If our foundation is biblical, even when we fail, we come back with strength. We can fall on our face, but we get back up because we have a knowledge that Christ is there beneath us. If our life is full of love, it covers a multitude of sins. Everything we do as Christians is based on the principle of showing the love of Christ. Without Christ, we have our own personal desires. No hope, no blessing, no real need to learn more because, well, our world is so self-focused. It's all based on what we want. We see life dimly because we have that partial knowledge. It's an unclear view of things. And as we go through life and the sanctification process, we, our life becomes clearer. Things become easier to see. We get better vision. I, I can tell you personally, and this is, this is just a fact of, of me, that my entire theological, philosophical, eschatological viewpoints have done a, a 180 degree turn in the last 15 years. So the entire way that I look at church has changed in just 15 years. As I get closer to God and he reveals more and more truth to me, it's just happened. So we are this far into the third teaching on love, and I haven't really talked that much about love at all. Again, there's, knowledge is foundational to this stuff. It's an important as we grow in truth, but without love, what's the, what's the point of knowing things? I can go up and bash you upside the head with a Bible, tell you everything you need to know. Everything. I don't do it in love. You're not going to listen to me. You're not going to care. Now, I know in part, then I should know fully, even as I have been fully known. What's that mean? What is, what is, what is he saying here? Right now, we all see things 
that are happening around us in the world. We see how we interact with each other in the world. But they're temporal things. They're flesh and blood. When Christ returns for his bride, we will fully understand what this is all about. Sanctification is complete when we're in glory, not before. We can't earn that and we can't claim it. You know, the last point I'm going to go here is perfect understanding. It's basically two points. First, we understand what our role is in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We serve our neighbors with a sacrificial type of love. That kind of love makes us take up our cross and follow him. It'll be painful. People will reject us. People will hurt us. Have any of you guys ever been called something because you believe in Christ? If you haven't, think about that. (laughs) Because you haven't been telling anyone. People will reject you. The Bible says you, you will be mistreated for using his name. It's just a reality of of Christ. But our love for others sees their need for him above what our comfort level is. That's important. Because I think a lot of times, we we went through this with the teenagers last year at Awana. They they don't talk about God in school because, well, they don't want to be labeled a Jesus freak. Or they don't want somebody to say, you know, you're an idiot because you're talking about God all the time. But is, is their need for him more than, is it more important than our, our feeling safe? I, I think it is. And this is what I'm going to say about that. We are servants of the Most High God. We're not servants of ourselves. So if we're scared to say something to somebody, it ain't fear from him. It's fear from ourself. We have to be willing to endure this life in all of its phases. We grow in Christ and sometimes it's hard. We serve others. Sometimes that's hard. But love. Love covers all of those things. The second part of that is our hope. The end is amazing because we end up with everything. We have eternity. We have Jesus. We have knowledge beyond our understanding. The entire chapter 13 has told us one thing. It's about love. It's all about love. How we deal with others, how we understand Christ, the things we see in others, and whether or not we deal patiently with them, it's all love. How we see the world as we grow and learn is all tainted and shaped by how much we love. When Christ said to take up his cross, to take up our cross and follow him, he meant to do as he did and sacrifice everything for the love of others. 
That is what chapter 13 is all about. It's about, it's, it's what being a Christian is all about. And guys, I know it's hard. When we think of the difficulty of dealing with somebody who may curse you, may talk bad to you, may say things bad to you, we just need to picture Christ on the cross. Living for Christ is doing what he did. It's all about that lasting love. You know what? Christ died on the cross knowing 2,000 years from then that you were going to deny him, you were not going to talk about him, you were going to do this and then claim that you loved him. He knew that. He did it anyway. It's that kind of love that gets us through everything as we look to him for strength. It's not about us. It's not about our power. It's not about what we can do. It's about what we can do through him. Our love is foundational. It's foundational to everything. Our love is sacrificial. We have to be willing to give of ourselves for others. And love done correctly is lasting because it doesn't matter what gets done to me. If I'm doing his will, I end up with everything. Let's stand up. We'll pray. Oh, I am done. Okay.